0: in chapter 10 of Hebrews this morning. We started this chapter last week, so we'll be building on what we discussed uh, in our last conversation, Uh, starting with verse 19 uh, to the end of the chapter. Let me read. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day dawning near or drawing near if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of tier three witness. How much more or worse punishment do we think uh, will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has prolonged the blood of or profane the, the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and was outraged and has outraged the spirit of grace. For you know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living gods. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with For yet a little while uh, in the coming one will come and will not delay. Uh, But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You've heard me say this almost every time we have preach a sermon from this book of Hebrews, that every time I read through it, I see more and more and more and more. This is, uh, to me, is, other than the Gospels, is probably one of the richest and deepest books in all of the Bible, theologically and spiritually and every other way uh, that you can imagine. I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed our time in the book of Hebrews, and the reality is, this is, is, I've kind of laid out that we're doing this a big, like half a chapter at a, at a time. Uh, but, but, but literally, we could easily spend years, literally years, in this book that's not so long as many others. Uh, and I'm sitting here as I'm reading the text, I'm thinking, gosh, I didn't even put that in my sermon. I passed right over that. But obviously, I can't say everything that needs to be said. Those things are going to happen. But one of the things that becomes very obvious as we study this book is that the author brings things to light that obviously are going to be of concern and question to the people to whom he's writing. And then he goes into detail about the things that they need to know, the things that we need to know in order to walk before our God in a meaningful and life-changing manner for the people around us and for we ourselves. Again, what we see over over in, in in this book is the author bringing to light something that he knows people are going to have questions about, and then giving us the solution or the answer to those questions. Uh, I don't know what translation you're using here, but very a lot of them use the word sense over and over again. That's S-I-N-C-E. Over and over again. The reason for it is this: is the author makes statements. And he understands that people are going to draw conclusions and this, that, and the other. And and what he's doing here, he's making these statements and, and and he's saying that because this is true, this is what is also true. That because this is true, this other truth is built upon that particular truth. Because you see this over and over again. Now, in, in English translations, the the word There's typically, apo, which is typically translated, the Greek word translated in English is typically translated as sense. As a matter of fact, in the uh, New American Standard that I'm looking at, you see that word over and over again. But let me just tell you this, that there are other words that have very similar meanings. There's actually four different words in this particular passage that are used in the same manner. It's not just that one word. There's two, there's three different words that are used here that are translated very similarly. But again, we see this pattern all through this book and that is that, that, that the author constantly and continually makes very strong theological and statements. And then he demonstrates to his readers why those things are true. A pattern we see over and over again through this whole book. sense we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Just remember where we've been just in recent weeks. He was talking about the temple. He's talking about the tabernacle. All of those rituals that went on with the animal sacrifices are behind us now. Why? Because the true real sacrifice that was pointed to by all of those sacrifices had been made, and that is the sacrifice of the Son of God. Now we see this over and over again all through this book. The author makes a statement and then he builds a case to tell us why it's true. And he uses the word of God to do it. It's not just ideas he has or thoughts that pass through his mind. He uses the Bible to build the case for every truth that he reveals. text that we're looking at today answers the question why? Because of what went before it. What we studied last week. All to do with what Christ Jesus has accomplished for us. All made possible because the offering for the forgiveness of our sin was made on Calvary 2,000 years ago. John the Baptist had described Jesus he saw him coming from the distance. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our sins and the sins of countless others. past present future when we make a profession of faith the only thing that we are doing are acknowledging something that God himself already knew would happen Back at the very beginning of time. But since all of these things that we've been talking about are true, there are certain other truths that flow forth from it. again the argument that really you know is emphasized in this particular part of the book is the priesthood of Christ that he is our priest he is our perfect priest He's the only perfect priest and because all those things are true then we are welcome, we are even desired by God to draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of our faith. There are some people who believe that it's almost arrogant to believe with all certainty that you are saved. But you can know that. We can know that as certainly as we'd have known anything. But because these things are true, let us do some things. Are near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. I want you to be assured of your faith this morning. But not only that, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. There's all kinds of things that we can give people ground on. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things we can give people a whole lot of ground on. that we cannot give any ground at all when it comes to the very basic gospel itself we can't deviate from it we can't modify it we can't water it down to make it more palatable maybe for people He also encourages us to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. In other words, interact with each other and encourage each other and strengthen each other. There are probably many things that you could say about Springs Presbyterian Church if you're talking to other people. And my hope and my sincere desire is this, that one of the principal things that you will say to people is that it's a church that encourages me. That I'll walk out of there every week just feel like I've been beat over the head again because I haven't done a very good job of living that life that I need to this week. If you've ever walked out of here feeling like that because of me, then I apologize to you. It's not my job to use the gospel to beat people over the head like a billy club. We often talk about assurance of our salvation I mean, can we really have assurance of our salvation? Can we know with all certainty that we are saved, that then when we depart this world, that we're going to be wherever Jesus is, if he's here by then, or we go to heaven to be with him? The problem is, very often, people have assurance of their salvation for the wrong reasons. There's so many people out there that really believe that the assurance of our salvation is based upon my ability to keep myself saved. If that's true, let me tell you, there's no person on the planet that could ever really have assurance of their salvation. Because every person on the planet continues to be a sinner. But see, our assurance comes in knowing that Jesus has done it all for me. Not just a little bit, he's done it all for me. That's where my assurance comes from. Not from what I do, not from what I say, not from what I think, not from the life that I live, but, 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 but what he said and what he did in the life he lived. That's where we find our Assurance. If our faith is real, and we know that there are faiths that are not real. But if our faith is real, there will be tangible evidence of it in our life. Our life will be very different than it would be without it. Our priorities will be very different than they had been before. Perhaps the best definition of faith in all of Scripture is the first verse in the next chapter, which we'll be getting to next week. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. See, hope is a big part of faith. If there's no hope, there is no faith. So where does our hope lie? Does, it hope, does my hope lie in, in me? In my ability to do what's necessary? If that's true, then it won't ever happen. Our hope rests in Him and in Him alone. Let me ask you something. When you came to faith, did your priorities in life change? Did they change a little bit? Did they change a little more? Or did they drastically change? So many of the things that were important to you before, are they still important to you now? things that were not important to you before, are they your top priority now? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. jump all the way back in Hebrews. You know, the stuff that we've covered in Hebrews up to this point helps us to understand this point that we're at in Hebrews now. I mean, what we're learning now, what we're studying now has been building, has been built from what has been said already. Remember Hebrews 4.16. Let us draw near with confidence To the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. The throne of grace. It's that throne of grace that Jesus sits on. You see, there are two elements to faith. One is assurance, and the other is conviction. Conviction of our sins, conviction of our utter and absolute need for a Savior, and assurance that we have that Savior. In times of need, where do you look? Typically, the person we typically usually look to is yourself or myself. What can I do about this? How am I going to take care of this? How can I deal with this? What's the solution to this? And usually in my frustration, the second place I turn to is Lori. Hopefully, she will give me some enlightenment. And very often, typically, it's only somewhere down the line that it finally dawns on me that I really probably ought to bring this before the Lord. Because he ultimately is the only one that can help me with it. He's the only one that can answer the questions that I have. Unfortunately, one of the things that's obviously going on in this little church, it could be a bigger, who knows what size this church was, but it seems to have been a relatively small church. But there were people there who were considering giving up the ghost and going back to the old ways. And basically what they were doing was they were considering going back to works, salvation, as opposed to salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, they were Jewish people. But seriously, in times of need, where do we go to? Where do we look? Unfortunately, at this point, there must have been some church members who had forsaken the assembly. Otherwise, why would he have even brought it up? There are good reasons forsaking an assembly. You need to understand that. Just because things are religious or something like that doesn't necessarily mean that what is going on with a particular group is biblical Christianity. There are good reasons for forsaking the assembly. When there's a heretical teaching going on, you need to run from it like a scalded dog. A couple years ago, we were dealing with a COVID thing. And the church was confronted with what do we do with this? Do we just continue to do our business as usual? Do we start doing just everything we do online so that people can watch it on their computers or their telephones? We understand that everything that comes our way comes from God. And what I would say to is this is one of the reasons. That COVID came for a lot of reasons. God sent COVID for a lot of reasons. And one of those was to... in the ranks to make a distinction between those who truly are his and know him from those who claim to know him but really don't the bible talks about this this is not coming from me it talks about the, the chaff that is among the wheat We need to understand that when things like this come, these natural crises, God's using them for a lot of reasons. And one of those very often is to make a distinction between those who are his truly and those who claim to be his but really aren't. you're a Christian there will be evidence of it in your life your life will be very different than it would be otherwise and your life will be different in a way that other people will see that it's different as far as COVID goes I just read this the other day. It was surprising to me because everything else I had read didn't seem to indicate this at all. But this is from Pew Research. They're saying that the percentage of Americans who identified as Christian dropped 15% in the last 14 years. Today, only 41% of Americans consider religion very important. That's down from 56% just in 2007. We understand this, that, that at least from a particular perspective, we're experiencing the secularization of America. Or certainly the effort to do that. And we know that America is the greatest nation that ever existed on the planet earth. And we know why. It's because Christ has been at the center of it from the very beginning. He is what built America. He is what made America great. Some of the stuff that goes on today that is accepted as being okay is just unbelievable. Shocking. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses... uh Two through six related to this quoted in Hebrews ten twenty-eight. anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses and the author of Hebrews writes this how much severe punishment do uh, do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he, has, he was sanctified and insulted the Spirit of grace. Strong words. Biblical words. It's sad to think about this, but the reality is this, is those who hear the gospel and reject it will be judged more severely than those who never do hear it. Because basically they're doing what is talked about here. They're insulting the spirit of grace. They're trampling underfoot the Son of God. I just want to put forth this idea this morning. We have this idea that hell is going to be the same thing for everyone. And I'd say, no, it's not. No, it's not. Those people who have openly and willfully and purposely rejected Jesus Christ are in a category like no other. Very often we look upon all sin as being equally bad, and it's, not, it's just not right. One author I was reading said this. He said, all sin is equally wrong, but not all sin, sin is equally bad. I mean, there are scriptures that tell us that God doesn't look upon all sin in same, exactly the same light. James three one let let uh, not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. That doesn't sound like he treats everybody exactly the same way. Jesus said this to the scribes: Beware of the scribes you see beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows houses and for appearances sake offer long prayers these will receive greater condemnation not equal but more You see, it's one thing to spit directly into the eye of God and another thing to spit and it just happened to hit God in the eye. It's the difference between what we call intentional sins and unintentional sins. Intentional sin is sin that we sin and we're doing it. We know we're sinning and we do it anyway. Anyway. Unintentional sin is all the sins that we commit without even realizing we're doing it at all. And I just challenge you with the idea this morning that God does not look upon all sin in exactly the same manner. That intentional sin is far worse than unintentional sin. simple logic demands that God not see all sin in exactly the same light. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. We've all experienced terror in our life, I would imagine, at one time or another. Maybe watching something on TV or in some movie. But we've all had at least a taste of it from the life that we live. When you talk about terror, you're talking about real deep seated fear. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God said that. Christ is coming again. We know that for two reasons. and One of those is the full redemption of his people. And the other is to judge those who are not. Most of us has probably experienced some degree of terror in our life. We've had traumatic things happen to us. But what we're talking about here, well, l- let me just, you know, you, you know it, and there are certain things that we would classify as even, you know, terror Far greater magnitude than what we generally experience the terror that someone might experience when they knew for a matter of fact that they were going to be eaten by a great white shark or from some hungry African lion that they come face to face with can you imagine the fear that would slam you like a ton of bricks when you knew It's coming for that brief second. It's amazing some of the things you can find on the internet now. Things that that happen here in the modern day world. There was a woman in Indonesia in 2018, who was swallowed whole by a, uh, by a 24-foot snake. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? guy named Timothy Treadwell was killed, bald, killed and basically eaten by a grizzly bear not so many years ago. I mean, can you imagine the terror that you would experience in a situation like that? It's just, it's beyond our comprehension. Until we're there, we can't, we can't even come close to understanding what it would be like. But as terrifying as that might be, it is nothing compared to the terror that is going to fall upon those who have rejected Christ Jesus. The apex of fear, the worst sort of fear that is humanly possible, Way beyond any fear that any of us have ever experienced in our life thus far. But it's that fear that Jesus has saved us from. Let me just tell you, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be fearful. It's okay to shake in your boots. Why? Because Jesus did. Remember three times his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, Father, let this cup Take this cup from me. Jesus was terrified. Three times he prayed that prayer. He prayed so fervently that sweat like drops of blood were falling to the ground. Don't tell me that Jesus was not terrified, that Jesus was not fearful. You understand why you will never, ever know what it's like to fall into the hands of an angry God? It's because Jesus has already done that for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to administer the Lord's Supper this morning. And I can't think of a better time to do it than now.